welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, where we're here every time to warn you about what's going on in the nation from a biblical perspective. And we're also here to help you respond in faith. We don't want to hide. We want to do something that honors God. And so thank you for joining us today. We're talking about censorship and some related issues uh, regarding the restriction of the free flow of information, something that America has always enjoyed since its founding, but is totally changing here over the years, and especially uh, in the last several months to year and a half. So we're going to jump in, and to help me on this topic today, for the first time ever, is Dave Brody. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. And he is zooming in from the Middle East. He's doing awesome humanitarian work over there helping with refugees and a whole variety of things. And uh, Dave, uh, I'm really excited to have you, but I got to clarify that you really are uh, an expert on these kinds of topics because you follow what's going on in America, even though you've been overseas for many years. So anyway, thanks for bringing your expertise today. Great. We're glad to be here. And Than Christopoulos is joining us again, and uh, we always like to have Than. It's, he joins us again and again and again, so thank you, Than, and we're just uh, grateful for the insights that you have as well. So we really want to jump into this, this topic today, and I believe it's one of the greatest threats to America. Now, we've warned the nation over many things. Um, there's many things that we could suggest is the greatest threat, but I'm wondering actually if the topic we're covering today isn't the greatest threat. And I don't mean that lightly uh, as we begin here. I I mean like uh, over $28 trillion in debt, uh, economic collapse, that's our real threat. Uh, The potential implosion of American culture through um, immorality and just simply compromise in, in a lack of following God and what he's laid out for us. That's obviously a huge threat as well. But this area, if we lose our First Amendment rights, uh, it's at least as grave a danger as what I just said, if not, if not more so. And let's just jump into that to start, um, because I know we're hearing stuff about censorship, but it's often not from a Christian perspective. Um, what, uh, what do you guys think in terms of the biblical connections to what we're talking about today, and why is this such a threat for us specifically as Christians? Well, I think uh, Satan doesn't uh, gain power through pure brute strength, but rather through deception. And so he wants to hide the truth. And, of course, one example in the Bible of censorship was the resurrection. And when Jesus came out of the tomb, uh, we know that the soldiers were bribed by the powers that be, the ones who had the power and the money, to say that while they were asleep, the disciples stole the body. Mm-hmm. Now, by the way, I think you're talking there, it's near the end of Matthew 28. So we all have heard about the Great Commission, but we forget about the censorship that happened right before we got the, the Great Commission. So, I mean, to Satan, this is a huge strategy. Jesus named Satan, uh, or renamed him, the father of lies in John chapter 8. So that he can lie on any topic, and every topic um, is part is part of what he's he's about. Uh, Dave, I just got to mention when you said that he wants to deceive us, I, it just made me think of Second um, Timothy 3, and it talks about the last day before Jesus returns. And in verse 13 then, um, it says this, 
that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. Now think about this. This is what's happening before Jesus' return, and we could be close to Jesus' return, or obviously we're getting closer. Uh, but it says that these evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. Get this, deceiving and being deceived. So they're deceived mm-hmm. by the father of lies, and then they go out and deceive others. And so a lie is just a lie until it's believed. And once it's believed, we're into massive deception. I think that's what's going on in America in a huge way. I believe that's what Satan is actually trying to do in the Christian church in America as well. Um, so before we jump into a whole bunch of uh, recent examples, Stan, you want to throw something in here related to um, why Christians should be aware of this and why it's such a threat? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll follow Dave's example and give like a historical example. Um, we have ancient historians like Pliny the Younger who mentioned um, the work of Nero, right? And so this is actually really interesting. Nero wanted to rebuild some like architecture in Rome. And so he set up like a secret team of people to go burn down villages. And then the people of Rome were like, oh, Nero's doing this. And Nero, having all the power and all this other stuff, right, um, actually set up the the Christians as a scapegoat and blaming them for the atrocities that he committed. Um, And so we just see this all throughout history. We see it right at the advent of the resurrection and the first century, and we still see it today. I've got to just throw this in there, too, um, because I think we're often missing the biblical underpinnings and the implications, like, Than you were just sharing. We're missing this scripturally, as well as, as you highlighted here, historically. But we're missing this. The whole reason that Peter and John were thrown into prison in Acts <laughs> 3 and 4 was to censor them. They didn't like their yep. message. And oh, by the way, John, the Apostle John, ends up later in life on the island of Patmos. He's exiled. Why? They didn't like his message. He was censored. So anyway, we got to realize that this is huge. And this, I believe that this very topic should be uh, included in every church in America, that we know what's going on right now in America, because the implications, the biblical implications, the Christian implications are massive. So with that said, let's just jump in here with some some more uh, uh, recent examples and, and try to give some insight before we help everybody near the end of this podcast, uh, hopefully get some specifics on responding in faith. So um, I was noticing uh, right here in Forerunners, okay, of all things, right here in Forerunners, this is not a big ministry, and we got censored. Okay, so in mid-February of this year, 2021, we posted an Insights video. Maybe many of our listeners listen to that Insights video. It's one of our most uh, viewed at, at, uh, at YouTube, but as well as listened to on Spotify and those that listen on Apple Podcasts. Well, anyway, it was called Super Encouraging COVID-19 News. I just wanted to put it out there kind of as a service to the body of Christ. Like, we're getting pounded with fear narratives. But after almost a year of this, there's super encouraging things like the 
various treatments that we have, and, and Dr. Fauci would not acknowledge them or endorse them, but they were top doctors everywhere talking about amazing uh, treatments, especially for the early onset of COVID. So we put it all in this video, quoted top doctors, actually used footage from Dr. Pierre Corey, a leading doctor who was at the U.S. Senate hearing talking about ivermectin. It was one of the many topics that we covered in that, that Insights podcast. And, um, and guess what? Uh, that was posted mid-February. By March, uh, I had gotten contacted from YouTube, and it says, our team has reviewed your content, content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our medical misinformation policy. Oh, my goodness. So so quoting the top doctors around the country yep. that found breakthroughs for COVID, that's called misinformation. I'm calling what they're doing censorship. Anyway, it says, we, we remove the following content from, from YouTube. It gives the title. And then it says this, and this is where things get scary. This is where we're talking about the father of lies really revealing his hand. This is the Bible, live, in stereo, Satan's speech reflected in the Bible. This is where it comes out clearly. It says, YouTube does not allow content, that's called censorship, that spreads medical misinformation that contradicts the World Health Organization. Since when does the World Health Organization have a corner on the truth? And it goes on to say, or local health authorities and medical information about COVID-19, including on methods to prevent, treat, or diagnose COVID-19 and the means of transmission of COVID-19. So here they are locking down their preferred narrative, even though it's in contrast, let me say, contradiction to the science and the data being brought forth by top medical experts. So anyway, this hits home close to us right here in Forerunners of America and probably every, every ministry. Yeah, and this is happening again and again. I heard about a doctor, I think his name is Joseph Veron down in Houston, and he was having tremendous success at his medical center with COVID. So he got a lot of media attention. He, he said he gave over 1,600 media interviews. And wow. uh, of course, he was using those certain um, medications that I will not mention <laughs> for fear of censorship of this video, but we know what they are. Uh, and, and he said when he gave the interviews, they would cover different stuff, but they would never uh, include those medications in their reports. And some of them told him, a number of them told him, no, I can't include that part because my my director, my producer will not allow it. So not allow it. I mean, this is a radical shift from all of American history. Now, of course, we could talk about Christian underpinnings, Christian influence within our, our nation uh, from 1776 to the present day. However, what we need to realize has happened here is a radical shift where you have your producer telling you you can't say certain things or that you're having part of an interview edited out. I'm afraid in American culture and even in church culture, I'm afraid that we're like kind of accepting this now. Like we're mm -hmm. saying, well, you know, uh, this might not be what I prefer, but, you know, it's probably okay. It is not okay. This is a radical departure from American history. And especially when we're talking about lives that could be saved. Well, that's what I think is really suspicious. Uh, I, I don't want to just focus on the COVID topic, but that's really suspicious. Um, uh, Dr. Harvey Risch from Yale University. So, I mean, we're talking about the top, the top. He's an epidemiologist. He early on talked about some 
another medication that was seen great success, and it also was approved by the FDA. It was inexpensive. And they, they would not talk about this, uh, whether it was Dr. Fauci, the media at large. They would not emphasize what top medical professionals here, I mean, a top professor at Yale is, is not getting airtime. So sometimes it's straight out censorship. Sometimes it's just a, a, a bias that shifts us away from, from clear research and other, other types of things. I think you bring up a really interesting point because if you think about it, they don't address it. They just censor it. So if it wasn't it, like, if it was misinformation, Right. You would at least expect them to be like, this is misinformation and this is why make a counter argument to the claims of somebody that they don't agree with. But instead, all they do is shut it down. And to that, that to me is very fishy. Um, It's not the fact that they disagree with it. It's the fact that they say nothing about it. Well, they, they, they won't cite studies so much as they will just cite, like Dave said, the uh, the World Health Organization or the CDC or some other group, they'll just cite one of them and say, well, this is the way it is. And, um, and they cite it and they just declare it very strongly. It kind of reminds me of that, you know, that joke about a, a pastor with sermon notes where one part of it says, argument weak, pound pulpit here. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, uh, it's really interesting to me that if you look at all this from a biblical perspective, Satan knows he can't win a fair fight. He has to control the flow of information. He has to restrict certain voices. In other words, he cannot win. His lies cannot defeat the truth. The truth would win every time. So there, in his schematic, his strategizing, there must be this... Um, this censorship. There must be this silencing of other voices. And I'm very concerned because if they're able to silence people like a Dr. Harvey Risch or a Dr. Pierre Corey or uh, on and on this list goes and, and on a whole variety of topics. In fact, let me throw this in there. They, uh, they um, limited uh, President Trump's tweets at least 65 times um, up until October 20, 2020. And um, <laughs> and they they uh, limited uh, President Biden's tweets zero. So I mean, you know, and this was put together by the Federalist. Joy Pullman put that information together. But the point is, it's not because we suddenly found a golden politician that will only speak the truth. It's because you have to restrict certain people. And that is what Satan is always trying to do, because he cannot win a fair fight. I'm very concerned, as I was about to say a moment ago, that this eventually becomes we're not able to share all kinds of biblical truth in, in including the gospel. Like, if they can do it on these issues, then why in the world would they stop there, especially when we see the fingerprints of the father of lies, who ultimately would want more than anything to stop Christians and stop the gospel in America? Yeah, we can see kind of a bit of this trending, like with the hate speech laws in certain countries, where they say you can't say anything uh, hateful or or derogatory towards other religions and sexual preferences. And, and you can interpret that different ways, but that could, if that was interpreted strictly, you could not say Jesus was the only way to God. That is disturbing. I, I, we need to wake up here. 
we need to realize this is what's going on. And for the church not to address this again is a deeply biblical issue. Now we're talking about all the implications of not addressing this. Why wouldn't we be addressing this, uh, I I would say, on Sunday morning as well as during small groups? It's not okay to have anyone's voice limited. And I disagree with a lot of people, but their voices should not be limited either. It's supposed to be First Amendment. This is a big deal. And and I'm just I'm just shocked. You know, I I listened to um, a podcaster named Doug Tenaple, and he would work his way up to a few hundred thousand viewers. And he liked to put stuff real short out there, like two to five minutes. And I thought he was he great, and he talked about his faith from time to time as well. But he would get deplatformed. Then he would start a, a, another channel or whatever, and he'd work his way up to tens of thousands, if not a couple hundred thousand or something like that, and then you get deep platform. And then it becomes like, well, if you want to keep following me, make sure you sign up at my website with your email, and then I can make sure that I'm emailing it to you. And on the one hand, I like that strategy, but on the other hand, I don't feel like it's the body of Christ. We are stepping back and saying, what in the world is going on, and why should we be outraged? Because that we... Uh, certain voices are, are always being um, silenced or stifled or minimized or shadow banned. It, it, it should be creating outrage within the church. Again, the church, in my opinion, should be, should be leading in this debate. I do think it's important to make a slight clarification here because it is the internet. And you know your words can get taken out of context and maliciously realigned. So... I think it's important to clarify here that when it comes to like talking about these laws that talk about hate speech and all that stuff, we're not advocating for hate speech. In fact, we don't want that to happen, but we also don't believe that it is the government's or anybody's ability to tell you what you can and can't say. We can talk about what's moral and immoral to talk about and how to address certain issues, but we're strictly advocating against the censorship of free speech. So I just I think it's important to make that clarification. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks, Stan. I I think that is very helpful. Um, we want they, they they take these uh, terms like hate and violence and make them so broad. Yep. That you can just be guilty. Like 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 Donald Trump himself was found in Twitter in violation of their glorification of violence policy. Now, where did where did Trump glorify violence? You know, but they can just. Yep. Make these things so broad, they can get anyone if they want. Well, I think it's right. the way the narrative is with the January 6th riots at the Capitol. And it's like uh, President Trump actually did what governors and mayors of states would not do after the George Floyd riots. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of businesses were being burned down. And there's all kinds of people dying because of the George Floyd riots. Um, basically, they took January 6th, even though... President Trump did what these others did not do, and that is he told everybody. He got on camera and wherever, and he said, go home now. Stop. So it's odd that he would get uh, spun into this the way he did, but but like the mayor of Seattle or other cities where riots kept going on and on and on would not send the people home. Right. Okay, so another example of how blatant this censorship is, is when Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, just two or three weeks ago, he got 
uh, censored. They they removed his uh, uh, his YouTube was uh, account was suspended for seven days because of quote COVID misinformation. And again, we need to remind ourselves that he's not just a U.S. senator who is speaking his opinion. So now he's no longer able to speak his opinion. But he's also a medical doctor, and you're censoring him. And he he then has another another video that um, is taken down, and he says this. They are now banning all my speech, including speech that is given on the Senate floor, which is protected by Constitution. So who are these people that are so, um, I want to use the word wicked, but it's more agendaized in wickedness, that why are they able to do this at all? We're we're not talking about things that are happening in just in a corner here, like the example I gave a, a while ago about Forerunners of America, like... This is happening to major figures who are sharing the science and the data. In fact, he goes on to explain that what he shared was uh, confirmed by two peer-reviewed studies. That's the gold standard in terms of the medical community verifying their evidence. And he's quoting, but he's taken down even what he was sharing at the Senate floor. Is that madness or what? Again, if we don't think this can move from the Senate floor to the church, we are absolutely fooling ourselves. Uh, And again, I don't care if you agree with Rand Paul or disagree. Uh, We need to be protecting people's people's freedom of speech. Now, now he closes with this, and again, I quote him, it says, it is really anti-free speech what's going on, anti-progress of science, which involves skepticism and argumentation to arrive at the truth. So when people say false things, let them, but then let's drill down and find the truth. That's what, how we've always approached these scientific matters or other matters as well. And then he goes on to say, YouTube and Google, though, have become an entity so huge that they think they are the arbitrator of truth. What a scary thing that we're putting this kind of power into the hands of big tech. And then this truth can change, can it? Like, like, why wasn't Dr. Fauci uh, censored when he uh, spoke against masks in the, in the beginning of the COVID crisis? Well, also, why wasn't Dr. Fauci censored when he said that it was a made-up narrative, it was a fabrication that it, that this virus was leaked from a Wuhan lab? Like, everybody had that narrative going on. That's another aspect to the censorship piece, that these narratives are being repeated over and over and over until you actually think they're true. Well, guess what just happened in the last number of weeks? They including the media, and everybody said, oh, it was leaked from the Wuhan lab. It's like we have to realize that science evolves, and just to shut people down uh, or even marginalize people like Dr. Harvey Rich that I, I, I mentioned earlier, just to shut these people down or marginalize them, this is not the way to go. This is not how we get to the truth. Okay, someone's, uh, I think it was uh, Gary North gave the steps of, of uh, what happens with conspiracy theories. And the first step is that absolutely did not happen. That's ridiculous. Then it's, well, that could have happened. And then it's, well, that probably happened, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, I I guess I've gotten um, somewhat immune to the mainstream media using the phrase that's a debunked conspiracy theory or unsubstantiated right, conspiracy right. theory. It just keeps going on and on. Everything they don't agree with is a debunked 
conspiracy theory. But as I said, and we on this know pod- conspiracy theories are not true, so it's it doesn't have to be debunked. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, as I've said before, uh, debunked by who and debunked when? You know, I've quoted Doctor Joseph Mercola many times. Huge online presence with his medical information, basically nutrition and so forth. But I've quoted him so many times, and he more carefully footnotes every single one of his articles than anything I read in the mainstream media. And yet they've thrown him under the bus, too, as, uh, as believing in conspiracy theories. It's just very troubling to see the kind of power that we're seeing by, uh, by uh, mainstream media, but also big tech, which is what we're describing here as Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and on and on the list goes Twitter. You know, it's like we've really got to be aware of, of what's taking place. And by the way, in terms of mainstream media, um, I do not take anything they say at face value. They can so many times give 80% or 90% truth, but in my opinion, that last 10 or 20% is just devastating um, to our our nation, our understanding of all kinds of topics. And we've got to be very, very careful of these, uh, of these repeated phrases like conspiracy theories. We also have to be very, very careful of repeated narratives. And also very, very careful when we hear people are following the science and the data. When they themselves, it's been proven over and over, they're not following the science and the data, even related to COVID topics. Yeah, I've been. I think it's. I, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I, I, I do, um, I do watch NBC and other things uh, fairly regularly, but more so just to see what the official story is, what the narrative is. So, so you get NBC in the Middle East, or you're just watching uh, reruns on YouTube? You reruns on YouTube. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Than. Oh, I was just going to say that I think it's really important that as a church, we recognize some of like the rhetorical tactics that you just brought up, right? Oh, it's been debunked, labeling something as a as a conspiracy theory, stuff like that. Um, really, all those words aim to serve as is like it's like a way to deep platform and censor your position even more by making it seem silly and incredulous. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognize those things as Christians. Um, so that way we can just... By recognizing the tactics of the enemy, we can therefore then learn how to counteract them. And I think that's one of those tactics. It's not outright censorship at that point, but it is a form of it by making you seem so kind of silly that you're not worth listening to. Right. You just used the word incredulous. Seems like uh, they, they take don't... away our take away our credibility. Go ahead, Dave. Well, it seems like they, they in, in many issues they don't want debate. They they just want to say what the truth is. For example, mm-hmm. uh, with well, the twenty twenty election, what, what their perceived truth dispute. Is. Yeah, with the, the twenty twenty election, when was it ever debated? You know the the reality of the results of that election. It wasn't debated in the courts. It wasn't debated in the news. It wasn't debated in Congress. It was cut off at every corner successfully. What do you mean it? What and mean so it wasn't, just, what, what do you mean it wasn't debated in the news? I thought it. I thought it was quite an inflammatory headline topic there for several weeks. <laughs> no, I mean it wasn't. There wasn't like a rational debate. It was just kind of uh, shouted down. Point the finger at you and call you a conspiracy theorist. Right. Again, just making you seem. Silly and stupid. <laughs> well, Than, you used the word a few minutes ago. Um, incredulous. 
Yeah, um, but also fallacies. Um, And one of the things they're doing, and I think the body of Christ needs teaching on this, there's something from our um, academic friends called the ad hominem argument. Most people don't know the various fallacies that are out there. And ad hominem means you attack the person. You don't discuss the credibility of the issue or the position. What you do is you attack the person. And I was just stunned um, of seeing how this happened uh, when various early treatments for COVID were were discussed among various doctors um, and, and how the person was taken. It's like, I don't care what they believe on X, Y, and Z. I want to know, did they really see 300 of their patients cured without one death? Did they really see that? Just tell me the evidence. But no, they would they would attack the, the person. And I, I got to say, in light of this topic, I am... Um, excited because there's uh, somebody that I think a lot of us now are becoming familiar with, and that is Dr. Peter McCullough. And he is uh, a top academic professor at Texas A&M University as well as Baylor University, uh, the most published um, uh, person uh, in top medical journals on on the early treatment of COVID as well as other COVID issues. His his uh, Journal articles get downloaded um, more than any other person in terms of uh, in terms of these topics. Well, anyway, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, even though he hasn't gotten introduced by Dr. Fauci, which I would love to see Dr. Fauci introduce him as this is the guy with the answers. Let's listen to him. So he's not getting that kind of uh, 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 of public <laughs> relations from from the going narrative, but he is top of the top. And he is saying many things now that calls the uh, the going narrative into question, and w- and we need more people like that who just uh, you you almost can't attack the guy with an ad hominem argument. You almost have to be forced, even if you hate it. You have to listen to him because I think in his case he's actually right. And so, Dr. Peter McCullough, top scientist, has so much to say. Has a decent following but he's not getting the main platform that the mainstream media could give him tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they they decide what they want to cover. I mean, even if you assume that the press is giving you the truth, which which we know they're not, but even if you, they decide what they're going to talk about. And so, um, for example, as far as the big topics, you know, they, they right now they seem to be talking about COVID and they love anything about race and they like to talk about anything they can link the, you know, they can, linked to global warming and things like that, you know, why aren't they, for example, talking about all this overspending we're doing right now and how we're going to have a bigger than debt than $28 trillion and how it's going to lead to hyperinflation and, you know, all these different issues. But they, 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 they stick to the same things that their agenda fits. And within each issue, they decide which things to mention and which things not to mention. For example, I think you've heard recently they talk about how, uh, oh, these states like Texas and Florida, you know, these rebellious states that have fewer, fewer shots, you know, that they're getting so many cases. Well, they don't mention that the state right now with the most new cases of COVID is California. Then you have Florida. You know what the number three state is for, for new cases of COVID right now? Maryland. Now, they certainly haven't addressed that one, and they've never. And the next one after that is Washington. So, you know, Dave, the, the Dave, total Dave, number of new cases. So, Dave, your point is 
is that uh, California, Maryland, um, did you say Washington? Yeah. Those and, three and, states yeah, went they're, they're huge. Targeting. Okay, yeah, those three states went huge on the vaccinations, went huge on the lockdowns, did everything that, that Fauci and the mainstream media and the World Health Organization told them to do, and yet they're ending up with the most. And you're saying even in contrast to states like Texas and Florida who didn't go into all these lockdowns and masking mandates, et cetera. Yeah, so so they're mentioning they're mentioning Texas and Florida, which which have a higher than average number of cases, but they're never mentioning Maryland or Washington or Michigan, which has a, a higher number of cases. As you said, the same with people; they 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 will quote certain doctors and they will ignore other doctors. And as a resident of Michigan, I can speak from personal experience. These lockdowns have been crazy wild in terms of our restrictions. And we all probably are familiar with Governor Gretchen Whitmer, anybody across the country, because she was so extreme. And again, we're pumping the vaccine here in this state, just like the others you mentioned, and and it is not providing the results they said. So uh, we, again, have to discern and sort all of this out. Now, Dave, what you're describing there, it's really... Uh, like the gatekeepers of the information. It's the, the restricting the flow of information. And so generally speaking, we might not see harsh censorship in some areas, but it's given us the same outcome because it's the channeling of the streams of information. It only goes in certain directions. And the body of Christ right now, not tomorrow, but right now needs to understand what is going on and the implications of this. And we can find ourselves inadvertently just kind of siding with an antichrist spirit if we do not see it and we do not respond with clarity and the truth and and what God is actually saying versus what the father of lies is saying. It's not just that the father of lies wants to win this thing by, um, by diverting people from the gospel. It's that he wants to win this thing through causing fear and panic through a pandemic, or he wants to win this thing through us burning our own cities down through riots and a hundred other topics that make no sense unless you add the father of lies into this mix. And he is the father of lies. And we've got to wake up in the church. And let's just conclude today, guys, with... um, any thoughts we have more practical in nature related to how to respond in faith? In other words, we've got all this going on. You know, how do we how do we respond in faith? And maybe we could just even begin with specifically within the church. Like, what do we do within the church to uh, to uh, help um, help address this? Well, you can probably guess what my favorite thing to do would be, which is learn the proper basics of like rhetoric and debate and learn your fallacies and all these other things. Um, learn how to tell what a bad argument is and what a good argument is. And by doing that, um, I think if the church can successfully learn how to do these things, we have a much stronger voice uh, in terms of learning how to debate and how to talk about these issues. So that would be my first thing. Well, if we're going to learn what a good argument is and a bad argument is, we're really increasing our discernment, which is another major biblical theme. And Paul talked yep. uh, talked about that as well um, in Philippians um, 1. And it's again, shows up at the end of Hebrews 5 and all over the place. But yeah, we got to become a discerning church rather than... I, I believe we need to be this, this clear on Sunday mornings. And I'm really laying this at the feet, whether it's... Uh, 
the, the, the senior pastor or a pastor giving a message, or it's in adult Sunday school classes where there's, there's lay people leading, I'm really laying it at these leaders' feet. You have to teach right now what, uh, what you just described, Than, in terms of, of being discerning. What is the Father of Lies up to? And I think we even need to be this specific. This specific. If you are turning your TV on and you are listening to mainstream media— you need to understand that there is an agenda there, that it's, uh, it's definitely often um, anti-conservative, that goes without saying, but it's often under, undermines Christianity, undermines truth. You need to be crystal clear on what you do. Now, Dave, a little bit ago, you mentioned you watch uh, uh, CBS News just to see what they're saying. That's the kind of criticalness we need throughout the church. I believe one of the reasons the church got wrapped up in all these lockdowns and Zooming all their services for so many weeks and months and on and on and it went and they kept moving the goalposts is because they would not teach what we just talked about here. They would not address head-on the lies that were rife throughout throughout the media. And somehow the church needs to uh, teach people not to take their cues from the world. And some you know, because as you know, I'm sure you know many Christians who are just watching the, the mainline news and soaking it in as, as gospel truth. And somehow we need to help them to see we need to be more discerning than that. So any anything um, in addition come to mind in terms of uh, how to address this in the church or that, you know, specifically what to do? Well, I, I don't know if this it falls as under the church, but the main, I, I, to me, is just to get the truth out in different ways for each of us mm-hmm. to fight the information war. Yeah, and again, I think if we can shape this in the, the mindset of we really have a father of lies, that's what Jesus, what Jesus called Satan, and he is not taking prisoners. He wants to destroy culture. He wants to destroy us in all of these topics that we start to see this for what it is. If there is a father of lies that exists, you would expect to hear lies in various areas. And I think part of this is, I just briefly touched on this a few minutes ago, but what is being footnoted? Where is it being footnoted? Why would we believe anybody that just suddenly throws throws out there that the science is settled or the election has been settled or whatever issue it's been settled will show me your footnotes show me where you're getting this this information uh, it's just it's just stunning to me how we seem to just uh, give a pass uh, feel good about about singing worship songs but not but not knowing what the truth is and it's it's very scary because um, you know, Jesus calls himself the truth. You know, it's in the, mm-hmm. the context of the way the truth and the life, but he calls himself the truth. It's Yes, it's the truth in the gospel, but it's the truth on every topic that's going on within our culture. Yeah, so we, need get, we need to get the truth out. And uh, with censorship going on, we have to learn to work around it. Uh, I mean, we should come against it, but also... Uh, you know, I mean, I you may have heard of ghosting where you post something on Facebook and nobody sees it. I just posted a picture of my wife and I on Facebook, 125 likes. But if I post, post something controversial politically, sometimes I get no likes, no comments. So I know no one's seeing it. So a lot of us have resorted to messaging each other. And then some people have moved to Telegram. And 
other signal in other places. So we have to kind of move around and get the truth out any way we can. One thing I would want to address as well with the church here is all these practical sides of what we can do are awesome. But I would say, and I would encourage, I guess, the church to watch their character as they do this as well. Because um, too many times I've seen a moral failure in Christians to in, in the way that they go about um, spreading these messages, trying to argue, all these other things. And so that would just be one of my other encouragements is um, make sure you're actually being salt on the earth. Make, make sure you're actually being light in the darkness instead of just a, a voice that's screaming at somebody, calling somebody an idiot or something like that. Yeah, we're told in the word to do these things with gentleness and yep. respect. And actually, I don't, I don't argue too much with these, with the pro establishment people, I guess I'd call them, but rather just get the word out to those who are more undecided. But I, yeah. I try to avoid conflict. I think that's a, uh, we I love conflict. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know really well, being th- thought- yeah. <laughs> really being thoughtful thoughtful in our response it's not that we um hate anybody in fact a lot of the people i disagree with i believe they have been completely duped by the father of lies they're deceived they, the the definition of dece- deception is you don't even know that you are deceived and i believe that massive amounts of culture are in this category and I think I'm just going to close with one last thing that has helped me out, um, and I believe it can help all of us out, and that is simply whenever culture gets super excited about something, meaning the media, the mainstream media is just exploding with excitement about it, and social media is exploding with excitement about it, I always push the pause button because First John talks about do not love the world nor the things in the world. So when everybody's getting excited about something, there's often something worldly that's at the heart of it and that, and that God is giving us a caution about. And so I just want to say let's be discerning. Let's be cautious about what's going on. But, but again, going back to what we said here at the outset, censorship is huge right now. It has grown significantly, at least in the last year and a half, if not well before that in various forms. And we have to be aware as Christians, the implications are enormous. This is not a battle to engage in five or 10 years from now, 10 years from now, I would say even six months from now. This is a battle that we are understanding and addressing right now. So any final word, Dave or Than? Not for me. I think we hit everything on the head for now. I think we did well. Okay, well, Dave, you're the first uh, um, insights guest that we've been able to zoom in from the Middle East, so thank you for uh, all that you're doing uh, personally and with your wife overseas and so forth, but thanks for all of your insights today, and Than, thank you as always. Appreciate you, Than, and all you're providing here at Insights. And everyone, thank you for joining us. Remember to like us, subscribe, pass the link on to others. And as we focused on today, other Christians need to know this stuff. And again, you can uh, listen to the audio on, uh, on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and keep warning the nation. Help us to do that and keep responding in faith.